Welcome to the Learner-Centered Spaces podcast, where we empower and inspire ownership of learning. Sponsored by Mastery Portfolio. Hosted by Star Saxstein and Crystal Frommer. In each episode, we will bring you engaging conversations with a wide variety of educators, both in and out of the classroom. This podcast is created for educators who want to learn more about how to make the shift toward learner-centered spaces for their students, schools, and districts, or education at large. The Learner-Centered Spaces podcast is now a member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Good evening, Nick. We are so excited to have you on this evening. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your role, your location, your journey? Maybe an interesting fact? An interesting fact. Um, Well, my name is Nick Moskaluk. I am a 14-year veteran um, with the Calgary Board of Education. Um, I am currently teaching grades six and seven math science in a K-9 setting, very unique setting. Um, for a big city like Calgary, I feel like sometimes I teach in a small town. Um, really, really amazing building with some really awesome people. Um, spent most of my time in middle schools, some elementary, but mostly that K to six uh, background. Um, I've been an intervention specialist, so similar to like a resource teacher that focuses on math supports, which was an amazing job I held for three or four years. And just recently, I've been a district uh, system specialist, a math specialist with the with the division that I'm in, and uh, really proud of the work that that I was able to do with my amazing team um, for system learning and professional development and professional growth. Awesome. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm a little curious. You made a comment about how even though you're in a big town, it feels like a small town. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, you know, I've been at middle schools that have, you know, seven, eight hundred kids, seven to nine or six to nine. One of the la- one of the first middle schools I worked at was a five to nine. And we had almost a thousand kids in that school. We were just under a thousand. And um I made the change to a K to nine school. I was looking to get into um, a learning leader role, so part of the admin team. And uh, I stumbled across a posting for a K to K to nine school that has one grade of one class of each grade. And so I taught my first year there. I taught grade eight, grade nine, math, science, and uh, yeah. It was an, it's a very interesting setup. Many of the kids have been there since kindergarten and they've all been in the same class since kindergarten. So it's a very unique setup in a big city to be to have such a close knit community where kids know each other so well. It's, it's a really very unique setting. So to that end, when you have such a close sort of tight-knit community, what does a learner-centered space look like, feel like, sound like for a group of kids who have been working together as long as they have? Yeah, it's 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 a challenge because typically when a teacher comes into a building um, and goes into a class, that class is really new to each other and you have to set the tone as, as a leader and as a teacher in the classroom Whereas in a building like this, those kids know each other. They know the routine. 
they kind of know how school is done because they've been doing it together for so long. Like you, you don't get, you do get new kids, but you don't mix them up. And so relationships from the teacher side of it is really, really important. And so for me, when I think about a learner centered space, it has to start with relationships and, and getting to know your kids and knowing what makes them tick and what motivates them and what they truly enjoy about coming to school and what, what do they do away from school. Um, their, the family part is really important. You get to know families quite well because you, you will teach all of their siblings. Like if there's three or four of them or two of them, they're all coming to you at some point. And so in other settings, you might be like, oh, yeah, I taught the younger sister. I taught the older brother. But here that you will teach their siblings. And so setting up a learner centered environment that is family focused and and relationship focused, I think is really key. I think doing things to build relationships and trust with you is really important. Um, even for instance, like this year, uh, you know, harnessing our, our inner Taylor Swift and we made friendship bracelets to start the year and we played Taylor Swift on the, on the whiteboard and just had fun and, um, told each other about each other's bracelets. Like, why did you use these colors? What does this pattern mean to you? And, and really infusing the idea that we don't just yes, we're going to make bracelets and hang out and have fun and get to know each other. But I want your bracelet to really tell something about you. So instead of giving it away to a friend, the friendship bracelet idea was you're going to tell a friend about your bracelet and who you are. And so those things really set up the harder things that you need to do later in the year. I can totally, I could, I can relate to that so much. The school I was in the longest in New York City public schools was a six to 12. We were journalism themed and it was very, very, very small. So I would have been the only 12th grade teacher of mm. English. Um, and over the nine years I was there, I pretty much taught everything from seventh to 12th. Yeah. And so whole families I got to know. And and I have to admit that leaving that school was so hard, even though I had outgrown it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. There's there's something to be said about the attachments you make to families and the kind of bonds that grow between kids and the kind of learning that you could do in that space. The comfort to take risks, for example, is much higher yeah. than in a typical high school classroom or a middle school classroom. I think also for me, this is the school, my, my kids were, they were born when I was at my, my previous school. And I think there's an attachment there that like where, where I had my kids and they walked the halls and they came to see me for the first time at school and hung out that special. But now that my kids are older and I have my own family and we're growing these families, I feel like I'm connecting in. I'm connecting with differently, more deeply, because I'm a parent in a in a place where there are young families, and I think that's really changing who I am as a teacher too. You had me at Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving the idea of making bracelets. Um, so sorry, I was like, oh, a Swifty. So I'm a mom of a Swifty. 
okay. um, which makes me a Swifty by proxy, I guess. Yeah. Like, she's in my house. So um, let me ask you about, and I, I agree with both of you about, I, I teach at an international school and I've seen, we're pre-K three to 12 and we do have families who move in and out, you know, because it's international school. So they might be in this country for a short time and they're going back to their home country or going on to another. But because we are pre-K three to 12, I've seen some of these kiddos that I have in my class, you know, like when they were three years old or um, like I knew them, you know, because they were in my daughter's grade or um, I know their siblings. And so you do, you do develop these connections yeah. and bonds yeah. with families. And I have to be very careful though, to, to not compare them to their siblings. Um, I had a, I had a boy in my class who said, Oh, you know, I'm Joe's brother, but I am nothing like Joe. <laughs> so be yeah. yeah, totally. Totally. But as a, as a math teacher, as a fellow math teacher, um, I'm wondering, how do you assess when you're in a learner-centered space? Do you have a certain way that, like, I mean, are, do you do traditional pencil paper testing? Is it project-based? Is it a mixture of all kinds? Talk about the assessments that you like. I think for me, it's a mix of, uh, in, in our district, we have this 25% rule. So the teacher is never doing a hundred percent. So it's like 25, the student, it's 25 teacher quick glance, it's 25 group assessment. And then it's 25 of like the teacher immersed in the assessment. So feedback loops kind of put within all of it. So it's not solely reliant on uh, summative and highly reliant on summative. It's very formative um, focused. Not that summative is, isn't part of it, but for me, a lot of it is what can we do to get students involved in it? So for instance, I did a check-in. I actually rarely call things quizzes and tests. Um, I mean, I do because I think kids are just kind of conditioned for that. Um, but for me, it's a lot of like, okay, this is a check-in. If we're good here, we keep moving on. And if we're not, then we need to uh, have a second look at some things or a third look. Or we are going to continue, but I, I know that you need a little bit of extra work with this. So we'll spiral that back in. And uh, and having that I a focus on some of that space practice that, you know what, we talked about that, we can come back to it. It's not over just because that unit or that topic is done. Um so for instance, I did a check-in with my, well, actually with both my sixes and sevens just recently. And, you know, with the sevens, I put the answer key all over the room. I made a bunch of copies and I said to them, you know, I looked this over. Um, I know where you're at. I think I know where you're at and I think I can speak to your work. I want you to look at this and I want you to go around and look at answers. Maybe there's something you actually want a second crack at. Grab a red pen and show me right now that maybe you had the weekend to think about something. Put it in different colors so I know you worked on it at a different time. Don't do it in pencil. Don't erase anything either. I want to see those mistakes. I want to see how maybe over a weekend you thought about something um, or you talked to someone or you looked something up. How would you have corrected it? Um, but for me today, like this week, we, they went over a check-in, um, adding, subtracting a lot of operational mathematics, uh, order of operations with, with negative positive integers and, you know, a level of questioning. So there's never more than like, like 12 questions would be a lot for me. 
like kind of 10 is what I want. So I have questions and we do a scale of one to four in, in our district. Four is like, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're, you have something, but you're not fully there. Two is like a basic, three is a strong, four excellent. It's more complex than that, but that's kind of the breakdown of it. And we talk about, you know, assessment reporting guidelines and we have up, okay, this is what it says a one is. This is what it says a two is. I can tell you, but I think it's important that you have that reflective piece. Where do you think you did really well? And where do you think that you need some work? And moving a little bit away from the check-in having like, it's out of 30 or it's out of 20 or what's this mark for this? And understanding it's about growth towards. So maybe you did get a few of those basic questions wrong, but it was, you made silly mistakes. Like you, when you're subtracting negatives, you, you made a mistake there or something like that. And having questions that progress in challenge. So when you get to the last question, like, yeah, that's a challenging question. And if you can do it thoroughly and you do a great job and proficiently and efficiently, with explanation and diagrams, then you're, that's when you're working towards that four. And if you can't get there, that's okay too. We're a very strength-based. I try to be very strength-based. It's a big push in our district of maybe you only answered the first one and, but you did a great job with that. Okay. Then you have a basic understanding and you have, you know, where you need to work and and improve. And um, I think student self-reflection is a really important part of assessment. Um, that we need to consider more often. Definitely agree with that. And I, I'm loving the one through four scale. And you said it's a district-wide initiative to do the one through four grading scale. How do, so like a graduating senior, how do, do you know how universities see that? How do they translate that? Because I'm so used to the zero to a hundred scale. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah. Okay. So at high school, it is a little different in our district. I think, I can't say for sure, but right now they still use percents, but I think they're moving towards a one to eight scale from my understanding. I, I don't know if that's fully come out yet. I, I, I'm not sure. But in K to nine, we have a one to, to four. I can't speak for high school super, super well, because I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. Um, but but K, to, K to nine, we're using a one to four scale. And I think it just puts a little bit more emphasis less on like, you know, that percent. Like what is when we talk about like what's an 81%? Like what does that really mean when someone says, oh, like what's the difference between a 90 and 93? Like really. And so I think that's what a scale like that can help you do is to focus more on like, you know, deepening conceptual understanding, procedural understanding, and, and less focus on, you know, a raw score. Yeah, exactly. It has more of a, a rough draft mindset. Yes. Yeah. To, like there's a book called uh, Rough Draft Math, which is very much what you're speaking to, the formative assessment that it, it guides them into what's their next step and where are we going in the future and, and where are you now and, and how are we going to get to your goal? I actually had Amanda Jensen on my podcast. She has an amazing book, Rough Draft Math. So if you're listening, that is a great book. It is. And it's a great episode. I remember that episode. <laughs> there you go. But, so I'm curious. So, um, you know, I work in a pretty traditional school and I think many of our listeners work in a school that's similar, you know, where we have the percentages and we have yeah. the 
taking points off for this, or it's late, so 10% off, things like that. What advice do you have for someone who works in a more traditional environment to go more learner-centered? I would say like, you know, just with the, with the marks off or you didn't do it. So it's zero. I've always equated that to, if you went, if you had a doctor's appointment and maybe you were going in to get you like, let's say your heart checked or you're doing a yearly checkup and you didn't go, would the doctor say you're like terminally ill? No. That's a, right. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, no, if you didn't go to the doctor, you just didn't go and get your test done. That doesn't mean you're all of a sudden sick. And so I think when we dock, we, I think when we look to dock like that, it's just like, what message does that send to kids that like this, this thing that I mark is more valuable than like what you could do. Right. And even in, when I was going over our check-in with the kids, they're like, well, what's this out of? And I'm like, it's not out of anything, actually. It's what did you, you can, you can count some stuff up and get a feel for what, how well you did, but really how far did you go? How deep did you go? Um, were you able to provide multiple representations, visuals, uh, verbal? Could you speak to this? If I asked you, if I, if maybe there was something missing and I asked you, could you speak to this? Right. I, I think there's a ton of value in that. And it doesn't take much. It actually, you can do less and go more. I think, I think sometimes we give a lot of like, we give more value to something that gives us comfort as teachers and like giving a big, long summative test makes us feel like we've, we've accomplished something more than we really have when really what do those, what information do those give us versus like, if I said, sit down with every kid this week, time, 10 minutes, give every kid 10 minutes to see, to ask them questions. How much, how much would you know then, then maybe a test that a multiple choice gets left blank versus having a conversation and observation within uh, more inquiry-based mathematics. I think, you, I think you'd be really surprised by the caliber and quality of, of assessing and reporting you could get out of it. I think you were totally right when you said there's a there's a comfort level. There's a comfort level in I've always done it this way. And this yeah. is how I started teaching. And and um I think there are some teachers that I've that I've spoken to myself who will have pushback such as, well, this is you know what they have to get used to for high school. This is what they have to get used to in the university level. And um Star and I have had on this show um we've had professors at the college level who were like, no, we don't do that. <laughs> and yeah. I'm finding more and more that it's, it's not really what they're headed toward necessarily. I mean, there might still be some classes like that in high school and at university level, but I think more and more through post-secondary, we're getting yeah. more learner centered and more project based. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's we, less of an argument. Well, and we don't do math like that in the real world. We just, as we interact with numbers and problems in our everyday life, we do not, we do not interact with mathematics like that. You, when was the last time you took out a paper and pencil to like figure out a problem at like the grocery store? Like you just don't. Like maybe that, maybe that provides some kind of base, but again, if it's your only tool, that's a problem. Like you should have a toolbox full of tools. Maybe you still do have like a unit test at the end of a unit. Okay, fine. 
but is that your only tool in your toolbox or are there other things that you can do? Like, I, I just think it's about balance. It, it's, and I don't think it's about shaming or ridiculing teachers who do larger summative tests. I just think it's worth looking into like, is that giving you value as a teacher, as a human? Is that what you want? And maybe it is. Maybe maybe you do need to do those. I don't know. I Like every situation is different. But like, I don't know. I have two young kids at home and I, I don't want to come home and do all this marking. I want to be able to like skim through things. And when I'm done with an entire class check-in, quiz, test, I can say I have identified one or two things I need to go back because the whole class I'm seeing this trend. I, I think you're spot on, Nick. Honestly, this this is how this is how I did it when I was in my space as well. And I think sometimes less is more with the numbers and every kid needs to show what they know in a diverse manner of ways. And when we, I think the word assessment and the verb assessing are two things that um, not a lot of people have a shared understanding of. Like I just think that word conjures very different things to a lot of different people. It does. And I think, (laughs) I, I think it conjures a lot of grading. I think marks are the are a lot of what people think of assessment because you have assessing and reporting, right? right. And so, yep. yeah, of course we have to mark things, we have to grade things. But like at the end of at the end of our check in that we went over, I told the kids, "Here's like um, I use like a like um, a recipe card, and I stapled it to their check in, and I said, okay, I want you to tell me, and you have to be specific.'" good and good and bad what's the something you you just crushed you're like look mr m i got this we're good here i i know i can do this and be specific and then second tell me something that you're like i need more work on this i you know what i can admit i need i need practice or i need to grow in this area and then tell me based on that out of four where do you think you fall on on the scale and honestly there wasn't one that was handed back today that I would be like, oh man, you were, what are you talking about? They were all spot on. Maybe I think a few of them were actually probably too hard on themselves if we're being honest. Um, And I think we, I think we build trust by including kids in that and show them that like, I don't have, I don't have all the answers. We're all in, we're only as smart as the whole room. That's it. And that's the perfect spot to ask you if you have anybody specific you'd like to shout out. Are there people <laughs> we should be aware of um, that you want to say has influenced the way you do things? I mean, there's so many, especially with math and and like someone like, you know, Dan Myers and and the problems he puts forward are just, they're really inspiring and in a way that's like simple. And when you do them enough, you will see um, you will see this type of mathematics all around you. And you'll actually see problems like this all around you. These three act math problems, Robert Kaplinsky, who I, I, I just can't say enough good things about. He's, he's doing so many awesome things with open middle and his other website, robertkaplinski.com. 
And, you know, even he has some really incredible diagnostic assessment and formative assessment tools on his website. Um, Jessica Vance, who is just doing some really amazing things with making learning visible with her learning walls, which I feel like I learn it's like kind of overwhelming, but like beautiful. And I want to get into that more. Um, There's so many and you, I think it's about finding the people that you really want to be like. And if you follow those people, your work will naturally gravitate towards that. And and I think finding curiosity in the numbers around us. So for instance, even today, this is like, I think when you do this work with these type of people, you, you, you will just start seeing these problems. So for instance, I was having dinner right before I got on with you guys and my son who's in kindergarten, which is a, such a trip now that I have kids in the school system. Um, he came home with his photo sheet, like his f- photo class picture order form. And there was a bunch of different packages. And the first one was like, I think it was like $26. You got two five by sevens and like eight wallet sized photos. And I, and I was like, well, that's does that, should that be $26? And then like the next package was like 33 and then 47 and like 56 and the packages just keep getting bigger. But I'm, when you look at, when you look at math and numbers around you, you want to have those uh, questions where you, you ask more questions right? When you see something, you're like, well, should that first package cost $26? And if it does cost $26, how much is a wallet, one single wallet cost picture? And then how much would the five by sevens be? And if the five by sevens cost this much for the $26 package, is that this, do they have the same price throughout all the packages? And so like you weirdly go down like these math rabbit holes, once you start seeing problems and tasks in the way that the people that I've mentioned talk about. And I think that's a really, my, my biggest piece would be find people that are doing really cool things and honestly follow them and have fun and make it fun. Please, everyone. It's okay for math to be fun. I, I, someone gave me permission years and years ago to have fun in junior high. And I, I just feel like we need to make sure that's part of it. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that math is super fun and we, we as middle school teachers can, can promote that more. So thank you. I think that's a perfect way to end and we definitely appreciate your time. And I think our listeners will gain so much from our conversation today. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And you can, you can follow our website, uh, or our podcast, my podcast at uh, ready, set growth and, uh, Crystal's been on a bunch of times and she's, she's been a guest host and, and, and a guest. And, uh, it's really cool to be able to call her a friend and, and star. It's been awesome talking and getting to know you as well. Thank you for learning with us today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. If you'd like any additional information from the show, check out the show notes. Learn more about mastery portfolio and how we support schools at masteryportfolio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Mastery for All and on LinkedIn on the Mastery Portfolio page. And we'd love your feedback. Please write a review on your favorite podcasting app.